Morning, church. Morning. What does the fox say? <laughs> what does the fox say? What does the fox say? Well, maybe some of you have seen the YouTube video about that. We're not going to be focusing on what does the fox say today, but what does the Savior say today? One of the things that I always do when I preach is before preaching, I probably read the text that I'm going to preach about maybe 50 times or so. I look at different other sermons and commentators. I pray like crazy. And then finally, I take off my shoes before I preach because it reminds me that this is not my ground. This is not KUC's ground. This is our Lord's ground, and it's holy. And it's to share his goodness and love with other people. So what does the fox play, say? Plus nothing about what we're doing here today. Another thing I often do is I look at the wider message of the book that I'm teaching from. And one of the wider messages, I look at commentaries and I look at videos on YouTube and I look at different sources to try to find out what is the wider message that Luke, in this case, the surgeon who put an orderly account of what Jesus' life was, I look at the wider account because when we look at a very small portion, we can sometimes make the scripture say what Mark wants it to say instead of what the Lord wants it to say. And one of the key verses in all of Luke, is found in Luke verse 19, verse 10. And we might have that on screen here today. It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Say this with me, please. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And I am one of those lost. And I dare say that all of you are as well. Some of us have been found, and I sometimes think the found is one time, no. It's found continually, time after time after time after time, being found by our Lord. It doesn't matter where you've been. I'll say it again. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how badly you mess up. And even if I mess up terribly today, this Sunday morning, God is going to still find me. It doesn't matter. If you desire the Lord in your heart, if you desire the love of God, stop playing hide and seek with the Lord. And Jesus will find you. That's part of the wider message of the Gospel of Luke and his message to all of us that he came to seek and to save that was lost. Now to verse 12 or 13 in Luke. Jesus is in Galilee, his hometown. Oftentimes people call him Jesus 
of Nazareth, or, but his relative area, the Galilee, and he's in Herod Antipas jurisdiction. Herod uh, is not the Herod we know about in the, in the Christmas story. In the Christmas story, we have Herod the Great, and Herod the Great's the terrible guy that killed all the babies. This is his son, Herod Jr., and Herod Jr. is famous for killing John the Baptist because a dancer danced so well for him, and his dancer's mother and the dancer knew Herod's heart that he really wanted to kill John the Baptist and said, give me John the Baptist's head. And this is the famous jerk, and we'll use the word jerk a lot of times this morning, jerk that killed one of the great prophets in the New Testament who foretold the coming of Jesus' coming, who baptized Jesus. This is the guy that killed him for speaking the truth. And sometimes there is a price we have to pay for speaking the truth. So this is, this, is, this is the guy that killed John the Baptist. And now these Pharisees come running up to, oh, sorry, Jesus. They come on running up to Jesus and say, get out of here. No, get out of here. Uh, <laughs> get out of here. Herod's coming and he's going to kill you. You better run away. And this is the first question that we have this morning of why do the Pharisees warn Jesus? Was, we know that the Pharisees and Jesus have a contentious relationship throughout the gospel. It's an uneasy relationship. And an unknown fact for those that don't study a lot of the Bible is that the group that Jesus most is most similar to is the Pharisee group. So they think that he should be in their group, and yet he has a new message for them. And they can't stand him for it. And so now why do they try to tell Jesus, run away, Herod is trying to kill you? I think this is fake news. To quote someone else's saying, I think this is fake news. I don't think this is real news that Herod wants to kill Jesus. We know that a little later on in Luke, when Jesus does make it to Jerusalem and, and Pilate meets with Jesus in order to decide if he should kill him or not kill him, Pilate is confused. And he doesn't really want to kill Jesus. And so he says, oh, Galilee, I'll send them to Herod because he's from that jurisdiction. And Herod can deal with him. And we have another slide here, I think, about, okay. Uh, whoops, no, no, not that slide. Sorry, I didn't have this scripture here. It says here when in Luke 23, verse 8, if you want to look at it later, <coughs> When Jesus meets Herod, Herod was very glad, for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him, and he hoped to see some sign by Jesus. 
It doesn't sound like a Herod really wants to kill Jesus, does it? It sees that Herod wants to meet up with Jesus. Actually, it's sort of interesting that at that meeting with Herod, and I don't call him king very often because he's not a king. He's a, rule, he's a dictator and, a, and he's an evil man. But at that meeting, Jesus refuses to speak to him. He refuses to give him a show by doing any miracle signs. It says that Jesus refuses to do any of that in the company of Herod. Sort of reminds me of a story of how the world sometimes wants us to do little tricks. I, try to, I have a cute poodle at home, and sometimes I try to teach my poodle how to do tricks, but he's not very good at it. But he's still a really loving dog. My friend, when I lived in Toledo, Ohio, was a pastor of a large African-American church. And one of the key aspects of this African-American church was this large gospel choir that they had. They had the robes and they had everything. And they were amazing. They were so amazing that TV companies and different people wanted them to come. And so one time, the city of Toledo was doing an event, and they said, uh, would your gospel choir please come and perform? And the first thing the pastor said is, we don't perform, we worship. And the second thing he said is, okay, would you come and worship here with us? And he says, when my choir comes, the pastor comes along and gives a short message before they sing. Uh, we don't want the pastor to come, but... Still, the pastor says, well, uh, well, maybe we can make an exception one time. And they said, we have also one more request. Instead of singing a gospel song, would you sort of make a gospel song out of something like Billy Joel or Whitney Houston type song? And we'd really like you. We want the singers in the robes and we want you to perform for us. But we don't want any of the gospel." And my friend smartly said, no, we will not be there. And he said, well, I'll, you'll get a lot of exposure. My friend said, no, thank you. We're not here to perform. When we pray, we pray to God and we ask God to work through us. But we're not performers here. I'm not a performer here. You're not performers here when you go out into the world. We're here as servants of the Lord. And Jesus knows that Herod just wants some fancy trick. And Jesus is not going to give it to him. To these Pharisees that tell him, go away, run away, quickly before Herod comes. Jesus' words are, go and tell that fox that I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Jesus knows that he's doing the right thing and that he's not going to stop doing the right thing just because Herod's threat. See, a lot of us do when we're threatened. When we're threatened, we stop. And Jesus says, never let evil dictate your life or your life choices. There's a time when I was naive. There might have even been a time when I was pretty trusting of people and institutions. I'm less so now, and it's sort of sad, isn't it? When you're not as trusting as you used to be. 
But that's not the saddest part is. The saddest part is after dealing with foxes and foxes and foxes all the time, the saddest part is I get a little foxy myself. And instead of emulating our risen, resurrected Lord in his model of living, I model myself after the world. And that's the saddest thing when we, the church, start using our model of the world instead of our model of who Jesus is in the Word of God. That's sad. In John 17, verse 14, I think this one is on there. In John 17, verse 14, he says, Jesus is praying for his disciples. Do you know that Jesus is praying for you? If you have turned your life over to Jesus and you are his child and have committed your life to him, that Jesus is praying for us. And here in John 17, I could preach a whole long sermon on John 17, but Jesus' prayer for his disciples. But it says, I have given them your word. And he's talking about God's word. And the world has hated them for it. For they are not of the world any more than I am part of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. You, of course, we go and do worldly things like going to McDonald's or going to work. But we are not of the world. We are to be different. We are to be salt and light in the world instead of emulating what the world is. That's the message that Jesus is talking about. Jesus sees through the Pharisees' deception, and he says, tell that fox that I'm going to drive out demons, heal the sick, not just today, but tomorrow as well. And not just today and tomorrow, but the day after tomorrow as well. And some people see the, res uh, the crucifixion to resurrection in Jesus' statement here where he's saying, not today, not tomorrow, not even the day after that. I'm going to do good. Are we? Are we? What is the good what is the good that God is asking us to do today? We have a long-term visions, but sometimes we miss our short-term needs because of our long-term. Oh, we have a long-term vision. We're going to go to the long-term vision. But we forget about today and tomorrow and the next day. I know a lot of missionaries. I'm a missionary myself. I know a lot of missionaries. And I know a lot of missionary kids. And some of them are really, really bitter against their parents who have come to foreign countries to share the gospel. They've come to foreign countries to share the word of God and they spend 100% of their time and energy caring for, trying to win other people to Christ, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. They spend so much time caring and trying to win other people to Christ that they forget about their own wife. They forget about their own children. And their own children and their wives sometimes feel 
animosity towards their ministry because they forget about the short term and also focusing too much on the long term. Maybe if you're like me, you're a person that focuses too much on the short term and forgets about your long-term vision. But Jesus says, not today, not tomorrow, even the day after that, I'm going to heal sick here. But Jesus' long-term vision is still intact when he says, but I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to Jerusalem. Do you know your short-term and your long-term vision? I can't give it to you. I can't give it to you. All of us have this opportunity. Every one of us here in this place has an opportunity. God has placed us on this earth for this 70 or 80 or some of us even make it to 90 years. But God has given us this opportunity to live. And God has given us a special opportunity to live in a place like Kobe, Japan. There's thousands of millions, billions of other people that don't live here. You have the opportunity here in Kobe. Kobe Union Church has an opportunity here that no, very few other churches around the world has because we're here. What is our vision? What is our dream? Finding your vision, finding your dream is super, super important. About eight years ago, I was attending Kobe Union Church back then. Eight years ago on Monday, I was getting my grades done for my school, and I came home, and I saw the terrible Tohoku earthquake. Remember? Does anyone remember the first time they heard or saw about it? You come home, you feel like walking up the hill, I didn't feel the earthquake here. Some people say they actually felt it here. But I was walking home. I don't have a smartphone, so I didn't get a little alarm on my phone. But I got home. I turned on the TV, and unbelievable disaster. I'd never seen anything like this. I was brought to tears about it. Many of you were as well. And we saw this disaster, and I knew in my heart that God wanted me to do something, and I just didn't know what to do. And so I called Bruce, who was the pastor at that time. This is a picture of Tohoku. This is after a year of cleaning. This, is a, t- this picture was a year after we had uh, volunteer work. But imagine the devastation. I called Bruce, and I said, we need to do something. And Bruce and I, through our various contacts, connected with B1 group out of Osaka, a house church network. And they said they want, needed supplies. So me and Ed, is Ed here this morning? Ed Raposa, okay. Got in a van, bought supplies at Costco, and drove up to Tohoku five or six days after the earthquake. And literally, there were bodies in the trees. There were bodies under the houses. It's gruesome. I'd never seen anything like this. But I knew that with this connection with B1, I came back and I told Bruce, I said, this is our ministry for the next year. And KUC spent thousands and thousands of dollars on supplies. 
KUC spent at least 30 different mission trips up to Tohoku. Is anyone, who went on one of those mission trips? Anyone raise your hand? See, we've got a few people here. We've got a few people here. People here volunteered out of their time, took vacation time to go up here, and we had a mission. Now, we also have a mission that was eight years ago. Missions change. But what is your personal mission? What is our corporate mission? Jesus' mission is to go to Jerusalem, not for his sake, but for mine and your sake. Jesus is going to Jerusalem because he loves us so much that he's willing to deal with foxes. Even the fox here. Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city of David, the spiritual, cultural, financial capital of Israel. Do you, does anyone know the, what is, uh, Jerusalem means? Does anyone here know what the Jerusalem, the word Jerusalem means? It says, the city of peace. Very good. Very good, Ray. The city of peace. And the sad part is that the city of peace is living a lie. The city of peace, the place of the temple of the Lord, doesn't want to hear from the prophets of the Lord. And when the prophets of the Lord come, the first thing they do is they try to stifle them. Then they abuse them. And if that doesn't work, the city of Jerusalem kills them. And Jesus here is weeping and showing his heart about the city of Jerusalem, the city of our life. The city of peace is living a lie. They're alive on the outside. They look great on the outside. But they're dead here. Is that you? Are you going through the motions? Are you going through the motions of your life? Alive on the outside, your cholesterol is in check, your heart rate is okay. But nothing's here. You don't have a dream. You don't have a passion. You don't have goals. Just get through today. I've been there. I know what it's like to feel that way. And that's when I always return to Jesus and I say, Jesus, fill up my heart. I'm dead inside. I'm acting like the religious leaders in Jerusalem that mock and kill your word before it can grow in my heart. Lord, may springs of living water spring in my heart because I need you, Lord. Not just one sip, but lots of sips. I need a pouring into my heart because right now this land is desolate and I need your love. Do you? Do you? Do you need the love of God? The love of God. See, the word of God is dangerous. The word of God is dangerous. When we read our scriptures in the morning, when we do our devotional life, this book is super dangerous. 
The Apostle Paul in Hebrews 4 verse 12 said that the word of God is like a sword, not just a normal sword that cuts in one way. It's a double-edged sword because it's dangerous. It's dangerous to the desolation in our lives that we get satisfied with. And if you're not, if you're happy in the desolation, don't read this book. It's dangerous to that idea. It's a book about purpose, meaning, hope, redemption. Meaning, hope, redemption from desolation, from a city like, let's see that slide one more time. Can hope grow here? Jesus says, yes, it can. Can hope grow here? Jesus says, yes, it can. And I'm not quoting Obama here. (laughs) Yes, it can. Can it grow here? You see, the city is a facade. On the outside, it's beautiful. But on the inside, it's rotting because it won't allow the Spirit of God in. They've driven away all their early warning detectors, their prophets and their preachers. They've pushed them aside because they're dangerous to them. We are created to be the receptors of God's living water. Too many of us make our faith about a few hours on Sunday morning. Too many of us make our faith about a few hours on Sunday morning. And then they complain when the preacher is preaching too long. I'm sorry, I'm going a little long. Actually, yesterday, when I practice my sermon, I usually tape myself and listen to myself and see how long I'm preaching. Do you know how long I preached, Ray? 50 minutes! 50 minutes, just under an hour. So I'm only halfway there. So no, I decided to cut some down here. But here, here, this is, many of us use this as our main meal of the week spiritually. It's not meant to be, church is not meant to be our main meal. Our main meal is our scripture reading throughout the week. Our main meal, our meat and potatoes, is our devotional life. Listening to prayer, praise and, and doing service throughout the week. And then after we've eaten the meat and potatoes Monday to Saturday, we come here for the dessert. That's what Madoka's singing is about. It's the dessert. It was pretty good this morning. Like a little more. I, I like a little, I, when I go to, to, what is it, Starbucks, I like a little extra whipped cream on top. Just, they put a little bit, I said, a little bit more, please. And right? Right? It's good. And it's a, this is dessert of our week spiritually. It's not our main dish. This is not our main dish. And Jesus says to Jerusalem, I desire to cover you. I desire to cover you from the upcoming danger. I desire to upcover you, and we have a few pictures of some birds, like a mother bird. Look at that picture. A mother bird sheltering her baby bird. That's Jesus' desire for us in our lives. And yet we're all adults. And we all have a choice. 
We all have a choice. The coming danger Jesus sees, the desolation Jesus sees, and he desires to cover us like a mother bird. And here's the sad, 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 saddest part of today's sermon. Many of us do not come. Many of us would rather play away from the mother bird instead of being covered by Jesus' wings. Many of us do. If you desire to be covered by Jesus' wings this morning, if you desire to be covered again and again and again by Jesus' wings, I welcome you to pray with me this morning. If you've never turned your life over to Jesus and you want to do it this morning, please pray with me and contact me. If this is your thousandth time of saying, Jesus, fill my heart with your living water, pray with me. Let us come under the wings of the Lord, our mother bird. Heavenly Father, Monica, you can play the piano with me while I pray. Heavenly Father, you offer us your grace. You've offered us your mercy. You've offered us yourself. Forgive us when we have acted like Jerusalem, beautiful on the outside, but dead on the inside. Forgive us. Renew us. Restore us with your joy of your salvation. Lord, if there are any here that have not accepted you in their Lord and Savior, and they want your love, and they're tired of the desolation, Lord, I pray that they would play a simple prayer. Lord, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come into my heart. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come into my life. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come into the dead places that I have as well as the joyful places I have. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.